With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe my sight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not right, multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. The All Eyes Visual All VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gelbin. Welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B. Today, we're back for part two with our very special guest, uh, USA Women's National Baseball World Cups team star pitcher Marty Sementelli and the amazing Shelby Estacado. Shelby was a professional baseball player as well. Her life dramatically changed February 23rd, 2020, when she suffered a freak snowboarding accident causing a serious spinal cord injury which paralyzed her from the chest down. Shelby has gone beyond what a professional athlete could do and is now training harder than ever and competing at the highest level in adaptive sports. Today, in part two, we will learn more about her inspirational story to never give up and no matter what the world uh, deals you, to become stronger. And that's exactly what Shelby has been able to do with our best friend, Marty. And Marty and Shelby, I want to thank you again for joining me today. Glad to be here. Super happy to be here. <laughs> so, uh, Shelby, I want to take us back to when you went back to the scene of the accident. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so what's crazy is that I didn't know the full story with High Fives and Lee Canyon's connection. So that's where I, when I first went back, it was kind of a full circle moment for high fives as well, because um, they connected years ago and we hadn't really done an event with them. And since uh, Lee Canyon, they have these feel good Fridays in March. So it's $25 lift tickets and part of the proceeds from that 
uh, a percentage of it goes to high fives. So um, they started that a long time ago. And the whole story with that is pretty amazing. And Roy's really good at telling it. But um, when I was first um, injured, it was, uh, I would say, just a little over 12 months. So a year after my accident, I was like, I told Roy, I was like, I want to go and I want to be back there and I want to ski down it again. So that's when I got introduced to Chief Tahoe and their um, adaptive sports um, uh, community that helps uh, people with disabilities uh, ski and get back to the outdoors as well. And so I was training over there almost every week. And by the time I was, I was, my goal was to ski down. And by the time March came, we had the whole event here and it was dumping snow in Vegas. It was crazy because it was 80 degrees and the day I come, it's dumping. So it was perfect. And when I went out there, I had my friends were out there uh, supporting me, whether they were skiing with me, snowboarding with me, or just chilling in the lodge. Um, we had a huge crowd there. And um, it was just amazing to see how many people wanted to come up and support me in high fives that first day I was coming back to ski again where I was injured. So it was uh, pretty, it was, I was fine in the beginning, but when we went to the spot, it happened. I definitely was tearing up and I soaked it all in and I just looked around, see all the amazing people that were next to me. And I wanted to just say a little prayer and everyone was just cheering me on. And I went down and I was like, I'm going to send it down. And I went super fast, but um, it was just an amazing moment that I will never forget, especially doing it one year, right? Exactly one year after my accident. And what's the, how do you learn how to adapt to ski? What's the technique? How do you prevent yourself from going too fast? where you would start tumbling down the hill. Yeah, so when you when I was training with the Chief Tahoe, you kind of do little baby steps here and there and everyone's spinal cord since I don't have any core or anything from my chest down, it you have to figure out how you're going to compensate and where your body needs to be. So, I would say after my fifth lesson, I finally was starting to get to ha the hang of it and you have to just learn how to trust the ski and kind of do the, like if you need to slow down there's turns you turn up the hill like if you want to slow down and you do a hockey stop you have to learn how to avoid people as well because there's a lot of people on the mountains so they train and there's little things you can do with the mono ski but it wasn't easy obviously but um i committed every day to getting better and better at it and what are your favorite sports now uh as an adaptive athlete yeah my favorite sports are probably the ones i do like hockey and skiing crossfit um those are my top three and um mountain biking is always going to be fun surfing is fun but um i i enjoy it all but my top three will have to be skiing hockey um and crossfit those are my top three and when you're when you're playing hockey uh how different is it than skiing as far as the technique? Is it is it very different? Yeah, your legs in skiing, my legs are bent and I'm seated up way higher from the ground. And in hockey, I'm pretty close to the ice, um, just like a few inches off the ice. And there's two blades I have under my bucket and my, my legs are straight out. Um, it's a kind of harder 
in a way because it's different to turn on the ice than it is on snow. So, um, and you have two blades, but um, the more I practice and I got to the hang of it on how to use my body and hockey stop and try to go faster in the sled. So just the height too, being higher from the ground versus lower is a lot different. And as far as CrossFit, what kind of exercises do you do? Yeah, I do a bunch. Um, any CrossFit type of movement that you can think of, whether it's rope climbs, pull-ups, muscle-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, um, skier, rowing, like um, I do all the powerlifting, hang cleans, push press, like any CrossFit movement you can think of, I do as well. And if I can't do it, there's an adaptive like modification I can do uh, besides that. And you've been in CrossFit uh, pick, uh, uh, competition, right? Yeah, I've been in CrossFit competitions. I was in Wadapalooza last year. I competed in the cross wheel walk adaptive CrossFit Games. Um, I've been to Daytona Beach. I competed out there. So I placed third in the games uh, in December, this recent December. And and who placed first? Um, her name's Andrea Wilson. <laughs> She's freaking amazing. And I hope she inspires me a lot. I, I look at her videos and I'm like, what does she do to do that exercise? Because it's tough. And she just works out pretty much 24-7. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> was she a big-time athlete like you before her accident? Yeah, she was a gymnast. She was in gymnastics and stuff. And you can tell when you see her, she's cut and really strong. Like, she, she it's crazy how she is she can beat the boys division and the female division like in wheelchairs it, she's amazing i can't even explain it <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, <water. laughs> that's that's really good i mean that's fantastic so marty oh uh, what kind of exercises are you doing as a pitcher um a lot of lots of running um just to get your endurance going um so you can make sure that you last the you know good amount of time during the game um and just a lot of light weights just and focusing on the lower half a lot of your power comes from from your lower half everyone thinks it's you know just your arm but it's really from the power of your base so focusing on um, exercises that work on that and you do a lot of squats and I try to as much as I can yes um that's what a lot of pitchers really focus on um just to maintain uh, all that power um, where they're getting from. And so you, you're doing squats and what other leg exercises are you doing uh, to, to make your legs stronger so you can throw faster? Um, lunges, um, calf work, um, any, any type of movement, honestly. Um, I make it prominent to make sure that I run a lot. It just really helps me to, um, maintain my breathing and everything like that when I'm on the mound. We have to pinch run too someday. So you never know. <laughs> That's true. And it's always a surprise when it happens. So you pinch run. So I guess you're fast also. Uh, no, I don't know if I would say fast. I get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> so Marty, uh, your life story is being written. Uh, I know Wayne Chesler, who did our movie, Open Your Eyes, a documentary is working with you. Tell us a little bit about growing up and about your dad growing up. How much pressure did he put on you? Um, he was uh, he was pretty strict with the baseball. Um, it was pretty much every single day. Um, I had to get my throwing in, no matter if it was my birthday, Christmas, um, 
out someone's wedding, whatever it was, I'll make sure that we found time, 10 minutes uh, to get my throwing in. So it could be at some, at a baseball field or a remote location, like a hotel hallway or a cruise ship or a church parking lot. It, it, it really, he found uh, a way to get it in <laughs> with the throwing. And there was a story with a handkerchief when you were a kid and your dad. Tell us about that story. Well, like I said, sometimes it's in a kind of crazy location where there's not a home plate and I needed a target um, to throw to him. So he always to this day carries a, a handkerchief a handkerchief, and um, kind of uses that as the home plate. It's kind of almost the same dimension, but, you know, he would <laughs> carry that thing everywhere. And it was my home plate for growing up. Um, it's just a funny story that he still would do till this day. <laughs> and does he still sometimes try to sneak and catch you? Um, he hasn't in a few years, but today in a weird circumstance, I needed um, someone to throw with. And he he said, do you want to try a bullpen? And I was like, are you able to catch me? Because he, he hasn't done it in a while. His eyesight isn't really that there anymore. Um, so we... In order to do it today, he had to catch the ball in a certain spot every single time for him to like see the ball coming in. So it was a really good target practice um, for me to to hit his hit his glove. Um, there were a couple of drop balls, but for the most part, uh, he he did all right. <laughs> you know, I have to ask you this as an eye doctor: What's wrong with his eyesight? Uh, he just can't see at all. I mean, he's like he's blaming it on his tinted glasses, but, but he's trying everything. He's just I don't. No, you might need to talk to him about his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> how old? How old is he? How, how old is your dad? Uh, um, mid sixties, lower. Uh, born in fifty eight. Uh, he doesn't okay. like to talk about his age. <laughs> he always like, lies like, about it. <laughs> okay, so sixty five. Uh, so, so tell me about the movie that you made. Uh, you were helping. Uh, kids, the kids, the uh, the boy who only hit home runs, I think was the name of it, or the kid only hit home runs. And you were there having to teach the actors how to throw a ball. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, um, Wayne asked me to be a part of the project. And, um, you know, I do teach kids how to play baseball that, you know, currently play baseball, but I've never taught a bunch of actor and actresses to, you know, throw a baseball and hit a baseball. So, me and Wayne definitely had a lot of fun uh, on the baseball field, trying to teach them uh, the fundamentals of the game. And it was pretty fun, honestly, because they wanted to learn it so, so much and so quickly um, that they really grasped everything that you told them. I mean, it, it's an acting job, so they wanted to play the part. Um, so it was a fun experience. Um, we had the best time out there uh, for the, those few weeks. And any of those kids know how to play baseball? I don't think they've ever thrown a ball after that again. <laughs> <laughs> So they want to they want to be actors. Yeah. So, so growing up, both of you played with boys uh, baseball. And uh, what was that experience? Let me start with Marty first. What was it like, you know, playing with boys and striking boys out? And how did they take it? And how did their parents take it? Um, you know, I I always had the best teammates growing up. They just I think they just liked me because I, I helped them win games and I was a really good pitcher and striking boys out. So they were always, you know, really welcoming and um, I never had a problem with it. The only people that had problems with it was like their the opposing team's parents. They were always thought I shouldn't be on a baseball field, wanted me to, you know, not play. I thought it was just for, for the boys. But 
honestly, in Little League, it was really fun. Um, I had the best time of my life and um, had the best memories from it. And then as you got older, did you play with the boys in high school? Yeah, I um, played high school baseball. Um, a lot of people asked me, like, oh, you should play softball. But I was like, but I, you know, I, I'm a pitcher. I'm a, I can't do that in softball. Um, it's a completely different game. And I just, you know, found a way to make sure that I found a high school that would allow me to do it. I took a few no's, but, you know, I found some coaches that would allow it and be cool with it. And um, that's the direction that I went. And I wouldn't change that uh, at all. And how, how how was your success in high school baseball as a, as a pitcher? No, it was it was really successful. I mean, it it you know it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of experience. I was in the hotbed of Southern California baseball, so I was you know with um, a lot of great talent. I mean, a lot of the people that I played with growing up got drafted and you know playing in the major league. So um, it's crazy to to see where everyone went from uh, came from that little area. But yeah, nothing really got in my way. I, I always wanted to play baseball uh, for as long as I could. Um, and, you know, that was at the college level as well. And then while I was in high school is when I found out about USA Baseball. So it kind of all happened. Uh, a lot of things were happening. Uh, finding a college, playing on the USA team. Um, it, it was a crazy time for baseball for me. And you said that in high school you played against some uh, major league players, that pe people that became major league players. Anybody that you could think of uh, that you played with or against that became a professional baseball player? Uh, Lucas Giolito for the White Sox and Max Freed for the Braves. And then um, a lot of people that I knew that got drafted but never like fully made it to, to the show um, that, you know, they're still playing baseball and stuff. But those are probably like the big names uh, that people would know. And did you play with Max Freed and Lucas Giolito or you played against them? I played against them them I got hit off of Max Freed um really? base it up the middle I'll never forget it yep I was on the Mets uh Wayne would, would appreciate that um and then Lucas Giolito we played on opposing teams so I he was a pitcher as well so I never really faced him but we were playing our our high schools were in the same area so we saw we saw each other quite often and in high school who was the better pitcher uh Giolito or Freed um Probably Max Freed, um, Lucas Giolito was, he threw really, really fast, um, but didn't have quite the command he does now. Um, so I would say, I would say Max Freed had more of a composure at that time. And how did he take it that you got hit off of him? I don't know if he'll ever remember it, but um, <laughs> at the time, I don't know. Oh, I don't think it was a big deal. Uh, they, they all knew me growing up, so it wasn't anything new or surprising that I was there. And what position did you play when you weren't pitching? Second base. And uh, you like to collect baseball cards, right? Yeah, I do have a huge collection. That was something that my me and my dad liked to uh, like to do together. We would go pick a couple cards out every week, go to the baseball card shop, and it's uh, accumulated into a big collection. And uh, what are some of your best uh, cards? I mean, I pretty much have all the Red Sox ever since I was born. So all, all my favorite players growing up, uh, Pedro Martinez, Nomar Garcia Parra. Um, and then my dad has all the throwback guys before I was born. So he could tell you more about that. <laughs> so do you, do you trade them? Do you buy and sell them at all? No, they're just sitting at my dad's house. <laughs> I actually saw them a couple of weeks ago and figured I eventually have to get those. And um, I don't know, it'd be cool to have just to, as a collectible. 
And do you have any kind of special diet? Uh, um, we eat pretty healthy uh, uh, in this house. Um, usually on the weekends, we kind of do whatever we want. But uh, we, my mom's a personal trainer, and um, she does meal prepping for her clients. So I think I got that from her, um, just pretty much eating healthy throughout my whole life uh, as a child um, and kind of took that to the adult life now uh, when I cook. And Shelby, what was it like when you played against the boys? But I guess you only played up to 12, you said, right? You didn't yeah, play right. them in high school. Yeah, when I got to the juniors um, after Little League, and I, I was a part of the Lone Mountain Little League here in Vegas. And just like Marty, I had a great team and great support from the whole league. And um, the point where All-Stars came, that was the part where it was so uh, they were so against me, like the higher ups, I don't know whoever they were and controlled all that stuff, but they just would not allow me to play because I was a girl and that was it. And I was like, what the heck? And so I tried out every single year and I can't tell you how many times I, I don't know, my stats just showed it. Like I should be on the team and I would go out and watch too, but, um, it's just funny when you go out and watch and somebody is in your position, this, this boy, and the first game I go out, boom, the center field, he completely drops the ball. It just hits his glove and falls out. And everyone's like turns and looks at me and they're like, <laughs> Shelby was there. She would have caught it. <laughs> just like the third, the last year when I, before juniors, um, I was like, okay, this is the year I should make it because we don't have to do tryouts. All they're looking at is stats. And I had, so my stats were so high. I, I was probably hitting 700, almost 700. And uh, I was just like, how can they not, how can they say no? And mm -hmm. they ended up saying no, because they said it was a quote. It was like, because there's a chance she might get hurt. And it was just a way to say it. Like I shouldn't so can everyone else. <laughs> and I was just, it was so, and my coaches would always fight for me. Like they, they, I was the first one that they picked when we had tryouts and we were allowed to build our little league teams and all that stuff. They were like, I want Shelby. I want Shelby. And um, yeah, just the higher ups. But then I switched over to softball in high school. I I played uh, at Bishop Gorman High School and I played for the Blast Vegas and I played for Little Rebels. Um, I played a little bit on Rage. So there was a lot. I loved playing softball and um, baseball. I missed a lot, but I did have a good support. Just that all-stars part is where it got a little iffy. Well, that's very interesting. I think they were worried that not that they would get hurt, but their feelings would get hurt. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm striking them out too and like hitting home runs, whatever they need. <laughs> well, this is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280, The Patriot. I'm speaking with Marty Sementelli and Shelby Estacado, uh, female professional uh, baseball players. And when we come back from the break, we're going to see what it's like to go from baseball to softball or from softball to baseball. We'll be right back. MacU Health, your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. The All Eyes Visual All VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. We're back with Marty Sementelli 
and Shelby Estacado here on AM 1280, The Patriot on Open Your Eyes Radio. And when we left for the break, we said we we're going to talk about what it is to transition from softball to baseball. First, it was baseball to softball for Shelby, and then back to baseball. And what's the difference to be able to hit for an overhand pitch rather than an underhand pitch? Yeah, the definitely the angle with the mounds. Like softball field, it's completely flat, and baseball, you have the mound. So the ball's just coming at a different angle, distance-wise. Um, all that comes into factor. And softball, those pitches are coming at you high 60s, high, low 70s. Um, and it's uh, 43 feet, if I can remember. And then, um, yeah, from baseball, it's just a completely downward overhand angle. So you're, um, it's just, as me being an athlete, I just, since I played baseball before, I'm very familiar with sport. And then playing softball, like the second half of my life, I was just, uh, I was ready to just train. And when it was baseball season, I was, I committed to just throwing the baseball, not even picking up softball. And then pretty much coming back from like a world cup or uh, training with baseball, I had to pick up the softball. Like I didn't really care if I didn't pick up a softball because I can pick it up right away, but I'm not going to lie. When I had to go over to baseball, there was an, a, a little bit extra training I had to do because the field is bigger, you know, your arm, you got to condition your arm a whole lot more. You're throwing just bigger distances and all that, but um, I enjoyed it. And it's not, it's not easy at all, but depending on the athlete and your work ethic and what you want to do, you can do it. It's yeah. So because you're so much closer in softball, is it harder to hit in softball? Um, I wouldn't say it's harder. It's, I don't know. I'd say, yes, it's tough, but honestly, with the different bats you use from softball and baseball, it, it helped me with my bat speed. Swinging a baseball bat is heavier and um and you can have a heavy softball bat but it's more like evenly loaded in a way the barrel's bigger baseball you have like a smaller fatter barrel so i'm not gonna lie like it did playing baseball helped with my swing and my uh my um bat speed a lot because of the weight and how much training i did with that but um not everyone can do it it's, it's not easy like i said so, uh, Marty, uh, I asked this to Shelby in the first uh, episode. So who was the athlete in your family, your mom, your dad? Where did you where did you get your athletic ability from? Um, with my mom uh, being uh, into fitness, um, I think I got my, uh, you know, my health and my athleticism uh, from my mom. And then with my dad, he, you know, was more into baseball and basketball and, and, and those type of sports that he taught me. And he, he basically taught me the fundamentals. So with both of them together, uh, it definitely had good genes going into it. Um, yeah, it, definitely. They were both very athletic people growing up. And you said your mom is into fitness. Uh, talk to us about her fitness competition and what it's like to watch her compete. Yeah. So uh, uh, before I was born and, and before my sister was born, she was, um, into competitive uh, fitness competitions, uh, bodybuilding and stuff like that. So I used to go to her competitions when I was a little little baby and, and watch her compete. Um, and then, you know, 
most of my childhood, she kind of stopped after my uh, sister was about five years old or so and kind of just did her, her career, which is personal training and massage therapy. Um, and then she turned 50 and all of a sudden she was like, I'm going to go back at it and I'm going to do competitions again. So, you know, it's crazy to see her uh, at my age now, seeing her older uh, compete. It's, it's an amazing, she's just as fit as she was or even more fit than uh, she was back in the 90s. And uh, it's crazy. I got to see her in San Diego compete. She's going to be in um, New Jersey uh, later this summer. Um, and she's just breaking barriers. And uh, it's, it's crazy what she is capable of doing. So does she compete in like an over a certain age group or it's open? Uh, so she's in a, she was in the last competition in a category where it was like a 50 plus. And then she's in other categories that are just all ages. So she can be competing for, you know, people in their younger twenties. So it's, uh, it's very competitive. Um, so she, you know, she trains every single day for hours. Um, it, 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 she's so determined uh, to meet these goals. So I want to ask both of you this question. We'll start with Shelby. What advice do you have for kids that want to be professional athletes? Uh, you know, and would the advice be different for a girl than, than a boy? Uh, Shelby, you, you go first on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like when you have these aspirations to play professionally and, you know, you think of like, oh, the boys, they can always go up to that level and play professionally and make a living off of that to where girls can't. But as a kid, I remember I did have that mindset and like all of us did. We wanted to play in the majors. That was our that was our goal. And, you know, that still can be a goal to this day. And um, depending like if you want to play at that D1 level or whatever level you want to play at, you have to work yourself hard for that. And, and it's it takes a strong commitment like you have to just you can't just go to practice and practice there. You have to practice outside of practice practice off the field and you have to do your drills you have to do your workouts and your own training and um you know as parents too like you can you invest my parents did that they invested in my training and that got me uh, a scholarship to the University of Tulsa and I played there softball for four years and I was super proud of that and super happy that I got to play at that level and we were 17th in the country we had a pitcher that was ranked third in the country like we had a solid team but um, just making sure you you set those goals and you commit to that and you always surround yourself with those same people with the same mindsets that's your friends and you know they support you and they they have the same mindset as you and they want to train with you so um, yeah just having that uh, good community and support is uh, super important. And the same question to you Marty what advice would you have to uh, a kid who wants to be a professional athlete. Yeah, I kind of have this the same answer as Shelby with uh, when I was a little kid, I wanted to play for the Boston Red Sox. So that was my goal growing up. But, um, you know, I always, as I got older, the, the goal started to shift a little bit. You know, I, you know, I was like, okay, major leagues is really high. Let's, you know, I want to play uh, college baseball with, with on a men's baseball team. So, that was like my, all that I wanted. That was like what I wanted to meet. And I was going to do anything in my power to make sure that that was going to happen. Um, doing a lot of outside work, not just like what the team was doing, but 
um, on my own time. And yeah, having a support system is, is amazing. I don't think I would have been able to do it without my dad um, being the drill sergeant that he was, but it all, you know, kind of paid off in, in the end. But it doesn't matter, boy, girl, or whatever, you still can set your mind to do whatever you want to do and meet those goals. Um, you really just can't listen to anyone's outside voices. You have to just listen to yourself. If you know you can do it and you can reach that goal, then you're going to do it. I mean, I mean, look what Shelby's doing right now. She said she's going to do it and she, she, she does it. So um, you can really set your mind to anything, really. Shelby, let's go back to your time at, at, at Tulsa with the Tulsa Hurricanes. Yeah. Tell us about that. What was it like your first year as a freshman? Uh, did you did you start? Did you play much? And when, if you didn't, when did you start playing a lot? Yeah, I started right away, and that was one thing. I I remember I was going to different campuses in Tulsa. They wanted me so bad, and I'm like okay, I, this is the school I visited them and the, we were a private school and the 4,000 student body, including grad students. So super small too. And they had a really good business program. So all around really good education wise and sports wise, especially softball. And, um, I made sure though, I was like, am I going to be a starter when I come on? And he said, yeah. And I started my first two years at shortstop and our, the, my junior year, our outfield pretty much mostly graduated. So we had nobody really out there. So I moved to center field, played there my junior year. And then our senior third baseman graduated the next year. So my senior year, I played third base. So I was pretty much all around, like I'm usually um, like on all my other teams. But um, I remember freshman year, I was lead off in our first tournament or game. I was so nervous, but once you get that first at bat, college at bat, because you're playing against 21, 22, 23 year olds and you're 18, 19, and you don't think about that, you're like, holy crap. But, um, you know, Coach Jay, he, that was my head coach. He um, saw me as a five star athlete and I was a powerhouse and um, I was able to move around the lineup, move away wherever he needed me on the field, um, be a leader wherever I can. And um, I started all four years. So I was, Super happy about that. And what was your favorite position to play? Oh my gosh, my favorite, definitely shortstop. I love the left side, no matter what, but sh short and third, but shortstop will be my hands down all-time favorite. And and you played center field also, right? Yeah, I was and, robbing balls, catching, diving, wherever. <laughs> and what was the feeling like when you would catch one over the fence and rob a home run? Oh my gosh, it's... It's just the best feeling because in my head, I'm like, I am going to get you out. You are not, I can, I was literally getting any ball you hit to me, no matter what, where it is and all that stuff. If you're running four, I'm going to throw you out at four. Like whatever it was, I was committed to getting you out 100%. So did you ever feel bad? You robbed a home run. Like if they robbed the home run for, from you, did you ever feel bad robbing a home run from somebody? No. No, it's part of the game. I mean, I'm like, good, <laughs> good hit. But like, I, my team that I'm playing for my team and for my pitcher, like I always have her back. Like that was, that was the, my mindset. I always have my players backs 100%. And I did want to ask uh, Marty about Shelby's uh, DJ skills. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> I'm, I met Shelby in 2016. Um, uh, 
when we were going to South Korea that year for a World Cup. And um, she was one of the, the new players that made the team that year. So really didn't know anything about her um, at the time. All I knew was what she was Hawaiian. That's all we knew at the time. And then it kind of found out that she did some hula dancing uh, as she was a, a young girl. And then um, we were just curious on more about her and uh, she would just play music for us. And then it turned into playing the speaker for all the games and all the pregames, practices, um, the postgame wins, everything like that. And that's how she got the name DJ Esto. And it's something that we still call her now. And anytime I see her um, on a non-baseball related trip, she plays all the tunes. <laughs> and, and Marty, what are your goals going forward? Um, you know, I'm just trying to play baseball as, as long as that my body allows me to. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what the future holds. Uh, the next World Cup is in 2024. Um, so we'll see uh, kind of what happens there. Uh, I know that's going to be in Canada. And then after that, not really sure um, as far as a baseball standpoint goes. And do you think there'll ever be a female Major League Baseball player? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, more uh, girls are playing uh, at the college level right now and, you know, getting more attention and being getting looked at um, kind of going viral and then people are women are getting noticed. So, you know what? I you never know. It, it could happen. We'll, we'll see. And Shelby, what are your goals going forward? Yeah, my goals going forward um, is just to stay healthy and happy. But a big one is to make the U.S. ski team and compete in the 2026 Winter Paralympics. Um, that'll be in Italy, Milan, and Cortina. That's Those are my goals and uh, training hard and focusing on that and just enjoying all the adaptive sports uh, this summer. And where are the tryouts for uh, the Olympics? Yeah, tryouts is kind of a new thing for me, so I'm still kind of learning the new sport. But um, over the next few years, I will be gaining uh getting points in the races I do so I just got done in Canada with nationals which helped me points wise um get ranked so in 2025 there's a qualifier and pretty much the lowest points you want um will get you on the team and I think that I have a really good shot and um we have a lot of good great athletes especially girls and it's nice to see the women's side growing because that was really low and counting compared to men but um, yeah, points-wise and races, that's what I'm focused on to make the team. And is there any other sports that you are looking at to be in the Olympics besides the skiing? Yeah, um, I don't, I mean, there's quite a few that I do that are already in the Olympics. Um, CrossFit is their own entity. So like, it's really fun what crowd they bring out. But um, I think surfing's and has been in it or has not. I'm not sure about that, but surfing is something I wanted to look into more um, and competing in that in the Paralympics. And Marty, uh, do you happen to have a ball handy that you could show us the grips uh, that you use? But you can also have to talk us through it because we're um, on radio. No, for the first time, I don't have a ball near me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. Um, we can talk us okay. through, like, because we are, it's radio and on, you know, on the podcast. But uh, do, you, do you know if there's a ball that you could go get? Uh, why I, I'll ask. Uh, yeah, ask Shelby a question. I'll be right back. I'll ask Shelby a question. So, so Sh Shelby, tell me a little bit you, you, about your heritage. 
uh, being Hawaiian and yeah, your parents seem, you know, from very different types of heritage, how they got together. And they must have been wonderful people because they raised such a wonderful person like you. Thank you. No, they're amazing. I love my family and my parents, their relationship. I, you could, should hear the stories. Marty's heard all of them. And my mom, she grew up in Garden City, Kansas, and I grew up on a farm and she was a traveling PT. So traveled in one of the spots she wanted to go to was Hawaii. And my dad's a famous singer over there and he's known as Maui's Hawaiian Cowboy. And he's got the Hawaiian Portuguese um, and my mom's got the German. So that's my mix. And my mom went to see, watch him play music. And from then on, they hit it off. And my mom extended her traveling there and ended up working full time in Hawaii and uh, and then married my dad. <laughs> and then we had, she had dad, three kids. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. what do your brothers do now? My brother is, my oldest brother, Justin, he's a sound engineer. So we're in Vegas and he works for the Encore and does like a bunch of conventions and concerts and all that sound uh for events uh he sets all that up and he's a he on the side he plays in a, a heavy metal band and he's one of the best guitarists I've probably ever heard um he's won plenty of guitars from across the country and um my little brother he works for an oil and gas company kinder morgue and out here in Vegas so lots of manual work and stuff and um, he actually had an accident, a motorcycle accident, um, which was pretty tough on our family right after mine, but he is walking and recovered and he's working full time and doing all that stuff again. So definitely a strong family right here. You got. <laughs> and what do you, and you, you, what, what do you, I, I've heard that you, you said before you're working somewhere. Yeah, I worked for Stryker. So I was a, I was in the OR, I did endoscopy. I was an onsite specialist and um, basically helped with any surgeries that involved a scope and a camera. And um, I did total knees with one doctor, but anything in endoscopy wise that um, for knee arthroscopy, shoulder arthroscopies, um, GYN surgeries, uh, general surgeries, all that stuff. I was in the OR helping make sure the flow of the surgery went well with uh, the striker tools. So that was my thing. And then I I went on to data analytics more on that side of things with Stryker after my accident. Um, but yeah, and then I took training. I took Stryker off this year for training and um, there's a chance I'll go back with them too. So um, that's just in the air still. So Marty's back with her ball. Uh, if you could describe it also, show me a four seam first. Uh, four seam, I don't know if you can see, but right at the top, um, I don't even throw a four seam anymore. I pretty much stick to my two seam. Um, it just has a little bit more movement. Um, that's all. I'm, and and then, how do you um, throw the two seam? Where, where are you holding it? How do you throw it? Uh, I basically put a little bit of pressure on um, on my middle my middle finger. That way, I get some more run on the ball. Um, it just helps my movement um, rather than being straight four seam. It's just easier to hit. Um, and then if I stay on these two seams right here and it's pretty much my same grip for my slider um it's just when I come across um my angles are a little bit different so it's pretty much the same grip for me as my slider and my two seam um and then I got my palm ball which is back on the four seam uh, but traditionally it's my fingers are separated but now I've noticed that um it, it works when my fingers are together and I kind of throw it just like a fastball and then at the very end I kind of put it down uh, like I'm putting a glass down and I don't turn my wrist like a traditional uh, curveball. kind of all comes out of the palm area. That's why I call it palm ball. 
Um, and then I got uh, my change up, which is uh, a circle change, but I don't completely close that circle. And I kind of pronate my arm towards my thumb. And when you throw your slider, you are turning your hand? Like um, not like this, but kind of coming over the top. And I kind of like my dad and I would use this like a slice motion um, wait, to where so I get. You hurt your arm? Uh, hurting my arm and just the movement of it. It's a, it's a little different from throwing like a traditional curveball. Well, this has been a wonderful hour with Marty Sumantelli and Shelby Estacado. I want to thank you ladies for being with me, professional baseball players, getting an insight to professional athletes. A lot of us dream about being a professional athlete, but few of us are able to do it. So Shelby, if people want to find out more about you, how could they do that? Yeah, you guys um, definitely Google my name. I'm pretty sure it's out there. And um, I have Instagram, social media, Facebook, and my email anytime anyone wants to reach out. It's just my first initial S and then my last name, estacado at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I'm always reachable. So please follow me and follow my story. And I appreciate everyone sharing it as well. And Marty, how could people learn more about you? Yeah, same thing. If you just want to do a, a Google search, a lot of articles and everything will pop up and a lot of information with USA Baseball uh, comes up as well. And uh, you can also be reached at um, my Instagram handle, Marty Pitcher. And I understand you're getting married. Yes, um, I got engaged in Hawaii in November and Shelby was, it was during the trip when I was with her and her family. So in the mix of uh, planning a wedding at uh you know this year as well so things have been very busy <laughs> and your husband's a basketball player i'm sure you could strike him out uh he actually played baseball that's how we met in college um yeah we were teammates <laughs> well i i, I want to thank both of you for spending uh these two hours uh, last week and this week with me on uh the on open your eyes radio uh on am 1280 the patriot this is Dr. Kerry Gelb, and tune in next week when we have more exciting guests. Thank you for watching and listening. The All Eyes Visual VRP is a portable vision testing platform that includes visual fields, acuity, color vision testing, pupillometry, and extraocular motility. The visual leverages virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and augmented technologies to enable eye care providers to test for and monitor common eye diseases. Visit alleyes.com for more information. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. 
We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today.